0: Visit lcef.org for more information. Today is Thursday, June 25th. It is the first day of share This is your opportunity to support the worldwide outreach of KFUO. Throughout this program and throughout the day, you will hear of ways that you can partner with KFUO in order to continue and expand the proclamation of Christ for you anytime, anywhere. The number that you can call is one 800 730 one 730 2727 of course the proclamation of christ for you anytime anywhere doesn't stop during the days of sharathon and so today and tomorrow here on sharper iron we have a couple of special bible studies lined up topics that spin off of our current study of the book of james one of the common themes in the book of james is the way that christians speak how should christians speak to god And how should Christians speak to each other? We will consider these very timely questions today with the help of the Book of James, the help of other parts of God's Word, and the Catechism as well. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Chris Hull. Pastor Hull serves at Zion Lutheran Church in Tomball, Texas. Pastor Hull, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Brother
1: Apple, thank you for having me back. It's fun
0: times. It is fun times, always with you, Brother Hull. And today we get to talk (laughs) about talking. We get to talk about talking. And, and so, Pastor Hall, you know, when I was sharing this idea with you for, for a conversation this morning, the theme of talking really comes up in the book of James. It's all over the place. I went back and read it again yesterday afternoon in preparation. And it's just amazing to me how many times James addresses the theme of the speech of Christians either directly or indirectly. It relates to the way we talk about God, the way that we talk to each other. Give us some introductory comments to this topic about talking.
1: Well, it's amazing when you look at, even backing up to the miracles of Jesus, every time he healed somebody, And like with someone who was mute, looses their mouth, gives them the ability to speak. He then tells them what to do from there. He doesn't just loose their tongue and then say, go go live however you want, go say whatever you want. He'll either tell people don't say anything about what just happened or go do this. And he cares about how we use our mouth because the tongue, as a consequence of the fall, rather than speaking truth and love, is now just active and busy doing things that can destroy both our relationship with God and our relationship with our neighbor. So with James, it's not like he's contradicting people like Paul when he's emphasizing what we do. Like, for instance, in chapter 2 when he says your faith without works is dead or we're saved by our works, what James is trying to show you is when your tongue, your mouth is loosened in the forgiveness of your sins it now does the things of god it prays praises and gives thanks instead of tearing its neighbor down your tongue now puts the best construction on your neighbor and builds them up that's what your tongue is for for holy things for loving things
0: so so god has in christ changed the way that we use our tongues we would use it for sin and and god changes those those use of our tongues to holy uses to redeemed ways of speaking and just thinking catechetically here pastor hall anytime we talk about the way that we should live the way that we should speak there are two ways of thinking that we get from the Ten Commandments. There's the two great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So with that in mind, we want to apply that to the way that Christians talk. And and here's where we can certainly think through the things that the book of James teaches us, where else we look in the rest of Scripture from the Catechism. But let's, let's start with the way that we talk with god or talk to god or talk about god and again in good <clears throat> catechetical fashion let let's think about it the way luther lays it out in his catechism in the 10 commandments each in each commandment he tells us we should fear and love god so that we don't do these things but so that we do these things so let's let's start talking about how do we speak to and about god but let's look at the the negative side of it first what are the things that we should not be doing with our speech when it comes to the matter of speech about god man such a negative guy i always like starting with positive stuff but we'll go Sorry. negative first it's okay law of god what a, it's fun time <laughs>
1: no <laughs> when we look at the negative we should fear and love god so that we do not curse swear use satanic arts lie or deceive by his name so you have this cursing this swearing and this is talking about Profanities. I mean, profanities are not a good thing to do. You shouldn't be cursing like a sailor all the time. But this is a little deeper than that. It's deeper than just using naughty language. When cursing someone, you are using God's name to back up your hatred for your neighbor. So you're telling God who he's going to condemn. He is the only one who gets that choice, though. It's not for us to decide who gets to be condemned and who gets to be saved, because then heaven would be a pretty empty place. We'd be there, but not as many people as God wants to be there would if it was up to us. So we don't use his name to condemn, because it's not for us to do that. We're taking the seat of God when we do that. And Luther makes the point in the large catechism that this breaking of the second commandment, using God's name for falsehood, The greatest abuse is in preaching when a preacher deceives by his name, by preaching false doctrine, by taking God's name, God's word, and twisting it so that you believe in a different type of gospel, you believe a different type of word, Uh, be it the subtle God of your own works or the destruction of the scriptures, like many denominations are doing. So when we look at the negative aspect of using God's name improperly, it is us using his name to suit our own agendas, therefore making ourselves God, making God our our assistant, rather than the one who determines everything.
0: That That's a big theme in the book of James, where we would use God's name for our own agendas. And the way that I think James talks about it is he brings up this matter of partiality or favoritism occasionally he brings up the matter of the evil judgments that we would speak against one another and every time that James mm-hmm. does that it seems he he brings out this fact that god is god god is a judge god is lawgiver and and when you start to use your speech in this way now you are taking the place of god acting as if he doesn't know what he's doing and as if you can do it better and that that is a, a big part of this misuse of our speech when it comes to the way we talk about God.
1: Well, exactly. And when, when you look at even the lying aspect in the second commandment, Focusing on it, because we always want to apply that right to our neighbor. Oh, it's like lying to my spouse or lying to my... No, that that get, comes later with the Eighth Commandment in relationship to your neighbor. But lying is when you speak something that you know is deceptive and you attach God's name to it. This, of course, Luther makes the point, the large catechism is done most of the time in the courts when people will swear... He's swearing by God's name in order to cover up their deception. It's I don't think this plays as much in the public arena nowadays because it's we don't live in a society that's completely Christian or everybody is respecting the authority of God and things like that. But within the church, when you attach God's name to it, you can cover up that lie. You can cover up, well, this is what I want, so I'm going to put God's name on it so I can sanctify it myself. But that gets back to we are not the ones that sanctify things. God is. We don't make something holy. God makes something holy. And he determines what is holy and what is not. Isn't that what he says to St. Peter? What I have declared to be clean, you cannot make unclean. But also vice versa. We can't say something that is unclean is clean only god can
0: Mm, right god's god's speech about himself about us determines our speech about himself and about us. And that I think that that's a good way, Pastor Hull, for us to, to turn that corner from the negative. We we apologize to everyone listening that we've had such a negative beginning here to this program. But we will get more positive. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna do that on the other side of this break. It's it is Sherathon here on, on KFUO this today, tomorrow and Saturday, Pastor Hull and 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 anyone who, who gives to KFUO, we've got a couple of special gifts. Pastor Hull, you, you like to wear t shirts, I would imagine, right?
2: I, I,
1: my wife does enjoy when I have a shirt on. Yes.
0: <laughs> and and I I can tell you that you know, and I think I think I've seen you. You you know those Thrivent shirts. They're they're pretty comfortable yes. from what I understand. Oh,
1: I love the thriving shirts. Love them.
0: Well, now now KFuo has some T-shirts, and I've been told by reputable sources, my wife being one of them, that these KFuo T-shirts mm. are even more comfortable than Thrivent oh. T-shirts. Isn't, now, that, that's amazing to say. Some may be surprised. But if you would like to find out if, if that is actually true, KFUO would love to send you one of our special T-shirts. For, for a gift of, of just $240 for a year, which is only $20 a month, you, you will receive the 20, 2020 KFUO share T-shirt, and you can get that either in teal or burgundy. So if you would like to match the color of the Lutheran service book, this KFUO t-shirt will allow you to do that. And and in order to give to KFUO to support this worldwide outreach, you can call one 800 730 72727 or you can even text KFUO to 4144 and give via text or you can go online to KFUO.org and click donate. Those are all ways that you can support the worldwide outreach of KFUO and programs like Sharper Iron where we get to talk about talking, talking about God, talking about each other, to each other. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Please stick around.
3: What's really great is not the fact that KFUO has been on the air for a zillion years. That is really great. That's really cool. Uh, What's really great is not the fact that we've had all these magnificent persons and teachers and people over all the years, and we have, and we rejoice at that, and our stable of personalities and people is just terrific, and it's always expanding and getting more interesting. What's terrific is People all over the world listen to this station, and they listen to various parts, the devotions, the teachings, the studies of the Book of Concord, the talk shows, all kinds of things. And I hear about it, especially when I travel and people email me and say they were listening at such and such time to such and such show. Thank you so much. A lot of lonely Lutherans all the way around the world. And there are also all kinds of people who have discovered us in lonely places in the world and crowded places of the world that are listening and know Christ because of this station. And that's just fantastic. What a blessing.
2: Our phone lines are open. Please
1: call and support the worldwide ministry of KFUO now at 314 821 0850 or toll free 1 800
2: 730 2727.
0: Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It's Thursday, June 25th. It is the first day of Sherathon here on KFUO. 1 800 730 2727 is the number that you can call to support this worldwide outreach. We got Pastor Chris Hull, and we are talking about talking today, thinking of it through the book of James, which lays out different ways that Christians should and shouldn't speak about God and about each other. Pastor Hull, in the first part of the program, we were talking about the the very the negative aspect of this, the ways that Christians shouldn't speak to and about God. But there is plenty of positive to talk about. and And when we think about the way that we talk about God, well, today is June 25th, and and I think it would be very appropriate for us to consider the talking about God that happened 490 years ago in mm-hmm. the presentation of the Augsburg Confession. When I, when I think about proper ways to speak about God, that stands out in my mind as one of, one of the best. Can you give us a little bit of a, a background on that and, and use that as a springboard to talk about other ways that we should speak about God?
1: So, beautiful stuff here. June 25th, 1530, you have Emperor Charles V, right? He rules all of Europe, basically, except for France. But France is kind of scared to test him. England's scared of him. Everybody's scared of this guy. He is Europe, basically. And he calls the the Lutheran, if we want to call it, you know, Lutheran leaders, these um, electors and noblemen, to come to Augsburg to have this diet, this conversation, because they have to have some unity because you have the Turks trying to invade Europe. They're all the way into Austria. They're a threat. And he needs a united Holy Roman Empire so he can fight these guys. So he says, let's all try to discuss and get along. And of course, Lutherans we're always great at just compromise and giving things up so we can all get along. Of course not. No. <laughs> What happens is you have Luther, who's actually not at Augsburg, because if he had gone there, they would have killed him. So he's at Coburg. Coburg, right? Isn't that where he was?
0: Coburg? I believe that's correct, yes.
1: Yeah, Coburg. So he's there kind of writing letters, but he's involved in the writing of the Augsburg Confession. Philip Melanchthon is the author of it. So, you know, he's like one of the leading theologians of the Reformation. So he writes these 28 articles of the faith. And they range from things like our confession about who God is, our confession who the Son of God is, our confession of original sin, our confession of baptism, of the sacrament of the altar, of the office of the ministry, of the office of – well, twice the office of the ministry, right? Article 5 and Article 14 and Article 28, really. So three times you see it confessed. And then that that beautiful article on which the church stands and falls, Article 4 on justification, Article 6 on the new obedience. Confession is not a man-made thought. It's not man's ideas or man's perspectives. Confession is a spirit-filled declaration which is drawn from Holy Scripture, from the deep well of Holy Scripture. Pardon me. And this is what is confessed that day in Augsburg, is not the opinion of the German nobleman, but the confession of the church the spirit-filled, spirit-led confession that says this is who Jesus is. This is who we are. This is what Jesus has done for us. This is what he continues to do for us in the life of the church as we are lights to the world. So God's name is used by just repeating back to him what he has spoken to us because that's what confession is. We confess what God has spoken to us in his word. So the Augsburg Confession and everything else in the Book of Concord is true because it is in agreement with scripture not in so far as meaning if we find here it disagrees we won't agree with it no the whole thing is in agreement with scripture because it's drawn from scripture and it's a beautiful way of walking joyfully in the second commandment
0: right yeah i mean the the confession given at augsburg is such as a wonderful example of the proper use of Christian speech, the way that Christians talk about God, and as you said, when we make that confession, we are simply repeating back to God the things that He has said about Himself. Even even within the context of a worship service, to take it and put it into the present tense now, mm-hmm. well. at least, and I, I think there's an option in the in the rubrics that are used. Here in Smithville, we speak the creed right after the readings, right yep. before the sermon. And so the idea mm-hmm. is God has spoken to us. This is who I am. This is what I've done for you. And then what do we do the first time we open our mouths? We speak back to him what he has told <laughs> to us. I think there's there's a, a, a rubric that shows the creed right after the sermon, but the idea is very similar. After the mm-hmm. pastor has expounded upon the word of God, God has spoken to us, this is who I am, we speak back to him, this is who you are. And that, I mean, that's the, the constant pattern of Christian confession about God, is that we listen to him, and then we speak back to him what he has said.
1: Well, exactly. And when you look at the second commandment, Luther then concludes it, but call upon it the name of God in every trouble pray praise and give thanks so we have this understanding of calling upon God in every trouble and if we're really serious about our life then that's every single day um i woke up this morning lovely houston weather uh, to a leaky roof um the middle of my living room is leaking so i have a couple buckets around the living room <laughs> and so do i then say well do i get on my knees and pray to god to send me a roofer no i i pray to god to give me patience <laughs> to give me uh assurance that i know everything's going to be okay and then to go forward using the first article gifts he has given me
0: hmm, that that's prayer. right so, keep going keep going petrol
1: yeah. oh no go ahead you're going to say something
0: well no i mean i was just going to i was going to launch us into a, a further conversation about prayer because confessing yeah. who God is, then then what, I mean, and again, to think about the catechism, this is the order of the catechism. In after the creed, God or we get the, the Lord's prayer. God teaches us who right. He is, and then He teaches us how to talk to Him in prayer. Go ahead.
1: Well, and that's the beautiful part about prayer, is it's not, like I grew up in Georgia, so real prayer was prayers you came up with on the spot. If it wasn't from the heart, then it wasn't really a real, genuine prayer. And I would always make the argument, and then I eventually read this later in uh, Bonhafer's Prayer Book of the Bible, his commentary on the Psalms, when he says prayer is not something that comes from the shallowness of the human heart, but rather are words drawn from the deep well of Holy Scripture. And prayer is a response. We call God our Father because he's called us his children. He's declared us to be his children. And we pray the prayer our Lord taught us to pray. I love, I can't remember what service that. Then I think it's evening prayer. It says we pray the prayer our Lord taught us to pray. And it's showing that this prayer is a response to God. We are never the ones initiating it. We're not the ones starting it. It's always reactionary. By faith, we react in prayer.
0: I think about the way that, that our children learn to speak. No, no <clears> child <throat> comes out of the womb simply speaking to, to his parents. I mean, I know that at least none of mine have, Pastor Hall. Maybe yours, maybe yours are smarter than mine.
2: Mine
1: are advanced. So, yes, they came out knowing calculus and able to articulate all the Psalms perfectly by memory. But go on. Not everyone's well, my- child is as good as mine.
0: That's right. So my my children learned to speak when when my wife and I spoke to them. And the more that we spoke to them, the more they learned to speak to us. And and their words gradually formed better and better. They started off with lello, and then it that turned into yellow eventually. Mm-hmm. And, and that's perhaps uh, one way to think about our speech to God, is that He speaks to us, and the more that He speaks to us, the better we learn to speak to Him. And only when we let His speech be the norm for ours, that's that's when true prayer actually happens. That's when we are speaking as children to their dear Father. That that part of the Lord's Prayer, just those first two words, our Father, I, I could spend probably at least five sermons, maybe ten, on just those two oh, yeah. words, meditating upon just the the wonderful comfort that is there Knowing that that God is our Father. Uh, spend a little bit of, of time on that for us, Pastor Hall. When we
1: look at our Father, even look at the um the, the gospel reading for this, we do the one year lectionary at Zion, and this Sunday is the prodigal from Luke fifteen, and you see this beautiful image of the Father. Our Father is not a god of wrath he's not a dad you have to try to impress he's not a dad that you have to go out and merit his favor earn his love he is the god your father who loves you unconditionally because that's who he is he is his mercies are new every morning great is his faithfulness for you that he loves you covers you in his righteousness the righteousness of his son that in christ you are now an heir of heaven, a child of God. Whenever we do a baptism, I mean, that you're right, you could do a whole series on our father, because then you could have a couple Sundays on baptism, where you talk about in these waters, we are made children of God. But then even take it further than that. In the pastoral care companion, there is the burial of a stillborn or of a miscarried child. And what prayer do you pray at the funeral? You pray the Lord's Prayer declaring to everybody that this child who died prior to the waters of holy baptism is a child of God. Why? Because God is a merciful father who does not punish us, but loves us, who is not one desiring wrath, but desires all to be saved. It's it's like from, oh, where is it? Luke 14. He's the master that desires his house to be filled. He is our father who desires good things for us. And the good thing has already been given to us in Christ and now we just await the completion of it in our death in our entrance into heaven.
0: That that kind of beautiful beautiful gospel this transition from the negative to the positive that is what KFUO is all about proclaiming Christ for you. Oh, oh that's that's beautiful isn't it Christ for you. And that's true anytime anywhere and, and Sherathon is your opportunity to support this worldwide outreach. You can do that in a variety of ways you can call you can call 1-800-730-2727 from anywhere in the country or if you're in the St. Louis area, you can call 314-821-0850. You can also text KFUO to 41444 and give via text or you can go to the website KFUO.org and click donate. And for those who Donate one hundred and twenty dollars for a year, which is just ten dollars a month. There are these lovely, lovely license plate frames. You know those, Pastor Hull, where you you can put them around your license plates.
1: Oh yes, I love those.
0: Yes, so I want one of those now. Well, yeah, I mean it's it's beautiful because I know you drive. Surely you, you don't. I don't. I know you do like Camp Gladiator stuff. I don't think you run everywhere, do you?
1: I try – usually I push my car everywhere, but that that's just me talking stuff now, so well, I wouldn't so worry people about can
0: it. Still, people can still see this license plate. Mm-hmm. And so it says – at the top, oh, it yeah. says Christ for you anytime, anywhere. And, and since you're there in, in Tomball, Texas, and I don't think AM850 reaches all the way to you, on the bottom it says org. So it's, it's going to have the website so that – so you can – Show people your support for KFUO and invite them to listen to this proclamation of Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Those license plate frames, they're not going to block anything on there. They're legal in all states. So we would certainly encourage you to support KFUO during share 1-800-730-2727. We're going to take a short break, but we will be right back. Please stick around.
2: not that the Exodus in Egypt is the central event and it is so important that it casts its shadow forward all the way into the story of Jesus and shapes the events there. It's actually the other way around. The incarnation of God and the work that he does to save his people from their sins by means of his crucifixion and his resurrection, and his ascension, and his promised return. That is the central event of all history. And so that, the incarnation, crucifixion, resurrection of Jesus, Jesus casts his shadow all the way back onto the the Old Testament. All those stories, Jesus himself says, you search the scriptures because you think you have in them eternal life. But these are they that testify about me. If you enjoy our talk programs, please call and support KFUO at 314-821-0850 or toll free 1-800-730-2727.
0: Welcome back to Sharper Iron here on KFUO. It's June 25th, Thursday. This is a wonderful confession of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has justified us freely by his grace through faith. That confession is a perfect example of proper use of speech for Christians when it comes to the way that we speak about God. Now, we're here with Pastor Chris Hull this morning, and we're we're talking about the way Christians talk, and we've spent quite a bit of time talking about the way Christians talk about God, the, the ways that we shouldn't use our speech concerning Him and the ways that we should. There's also the second table of the law, the ways that we love our neighbor as ourselves. And again, thinking through the book of James, the book of James has a lot of A lot of talk about the way Christians talk to and about each other. So, Pastor Hull, much like we did in the first two segments concerning the the negative and positive, we're going to be negative here at the beginning again.
2: Mm. And
0: and we're going to look at, let's look at the the ways that Christians, well, the way that (laughs) sinners misuse their speech. What are those ways that we use the tongue and we sin against each other? Well,
1: the way Luther puts it in the catechism is wonderful. We should fear and love God that we do not tell lies about our neighbor, betray him, slander him, or hurt his reputation. So you see this basically don't gossip about your neighbor. Don't say things about your neighbor. That can hurt his reputation because even, even if gossip is true, let's say the rumor you're spreading is 100% accurate. It is true. It is complete fact. But the reality that you're spreading it isn't beneficial. Gossip is never spread with good intent. It's never spread so that you may build your neighbor up. Every time your neighbor does something that is false, that is wrong, that is depraved, and you go and tell someone about it, you're not doing it so you can help them. You're doing it to bring them down a few pegs. We betray them. We ruin that reputation. and. We shouldn't do this because we don't want people doing that about us. We don't want someone ruining our reputation. We don't want someone seeing our mistakes and then spreading it around like wildfire. We want people to speak well of us. So we shouldn't go about trying to destroy our neighbor's well-being because when you destroy their reputation, you're doing more than just uh, ruining maybe a friendship or two. You're, destroying everything about them when you smear who people see them as when you paint them as this terrible person now that's how everybody views them and you especially see this today on a social media big time because it's so much easier just to type something about someone to write a negative comment about someone i like uh, brother apple the quote you had yesterday from galatians on there you know let us watch lest we devour one another and how do we devour one another right here (laughs) by betraying each other slandering each other and hurting each other's reputation that is not what we are called to do
0: that that is a lot easier to do to fall into that sort of biting and devouring on media where you're not face to face with the other person uh, we we reflected uh-huh. upon this a little bit a couple days ago here on Sharper Iron. I had Pastor David Appled, and and we were talking about James three, the first part of it, and and James there of course really talks about the tongue hmm. and the use of it there, and and there James says he, he talks about how how we ought not with the same mouth to bless God, but also to Curse our brother who is made in the likeness of God. So so it, it would be completely inconsistent for for those seven princes at Augsburg to stand up and and confess that beautiful confession of faith there at Augsburg, and then ten minutes later for one of them to turn around and start speaking evil about one of those other seven princes. Did did you did you hear how how he's just letting his his part of the kingdom go to ruin or or something. I don't, I don't know what kind of gossip would have happened 490 years ago, (laughs) but, but something to that effect where, I mean, so, so that when we, when we consider those particularly within the Christian congregation that we've stood side by side and, and we've confessed God with them and that praise of God has come out of our own mouths. How can we then leave the building or even in that same building Speak evil of of those same people, and 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 especially Christians, but even all mankind who are made in the mm-hmm. likeness of God, and and to get back to where I was at the original point, when we can't see each other, much like much like I can't see you right now. I mean, I could be, I mean, for all you know, I could be typing here with Andy Bates in the studio, and we could be talking about you, and you would never know. It's, it's very well. That,
1: it's, I assume it's happening anyway, so it's okay.
0: <laughs> so, but I mean, it's very easy when we can't see each other particularly, it's, it yeah. certainly is something that happens when we are face-to-face, but when we can't see each other particularly, uh, the danger multiplies, and, and certainly there is a great need for care and caution by Christians in these matters today.
1: Well, very much so. Um, even to be specific, not pacific, but specific about it, when we look at My ministry even, not my ministry, but my time in the ministry, I'm sorry, way I phrase that, my time in the ministry, when I first got here to Texas, I attended a 5-2 conference and I wrote a three-part series on it. I did an interview on it, et cetera, about it. I critiqued a lot of men specifically without actually talking to them, without seeing them face-to-face. And I justified it by saying this was a public conference. I can publicly say what I want. But the problem is, I'm talking about my brothers in the office, brothers in the ministry, brothers in Christ. And since then, I've been penitent of it, not of the critiques, because the words spoken were still true. However, the way I approached it, I was not seeking my neighbors up, building, building them up. I was instead seeking to destroy, seeking to unveil the falsehood or something. Instead of sitting there going, well, that's not my vocation. My vocation is to build up in Christ. Building up sometimes means tearing down, but you don't do that in the public arena. You don't do that so you can get as many likes and get soundbite of the week. You do it so that you may love your brother. And since then, I've tried as hard as well as I can to repent to each of those men, saying, please let me be your brother and let's make this work. Because that's what we should be doing
0: that that's such a it's such a challenge again with the the conversation i had with, with pastor apple previously he, the way that he he said you'll you'll hear sometimes and i'm i'm sure i've done this where we will we will speak in ways that are in reality not helpful but mm-hmm. the way that we justify that is we'll say something to the effect of i'm just telling it like it is and, <laughs> and on on the one hand uh, we talked about this there there are times when A person is given an office in which he or she must tell it like it is. So there is the time and the place for the pastor to speak what is true and what is false and to name what is false specifically, lest the sheep be devoured by wolves. There's a time and a place for a parent to point out clear danger to the child, lest that child be led astray. So there, there are certainly offices in which God has given speech to be very clear and direct and to point out error. But as you said, we, we must always do that in the spirit of love for our neighbor, mm-hmm. not to bite and devour them, but to build them up and to call them away from such error. And never in the sense of, of pride, in, in a sense that we would use that to justify ourselves, which I know is, is the constant temptation that, that I face when it comes to these things, is that I, I would speak these things not for the sake of protecting someone else, but rather for the sake of my own ego, so that I can show myself to be right and the other to be wrong. And I think that in doing that, I've, I've justified myself somehow, and, and in mm-hmm. fact, I've not. And, and this is, I mean, again, this is where the tongue, as, as James says in chapter three, just gets us into a world of trouble because it is right. so easy, simply to to speak. So, yeah, I mean, this is this is a, a great danger. One, one more, just just kind of wrap that conversation up for us, Pastor Hull, before we we go to our next break.
1: Well, I, I like ending it with be like Luther with it. When Luther critiqued the Antinomians, specifically Johanna Agricola, he he wrote like in his uh, his uh, Disputation against the Antinomians and things like this. When he wrote this, at the same time, he's also housing Agricola and his wife and all of his kids and taking care of them. He's showing love, compassion, and mercy, and sacrifice. And then you can see in his writings, he's coming from a place of love, not of destruction. You got to do that first. You can't just walk around critiquing, like you said, because then it's just self-serving. God tells us not to put our neighbor down, not to slander, not to hurt the reputation, but to live for them. You are to live for your neighbor. And until we do that, it's best to just keep the mouth shut or maybe put a few extra masks on during the mask order. You know, put like 10 of them on. You'll stay healthy and no one can understand what you're saying anyways.
0: That's, so the masks can serve a a dual purpose. They can protect your neighbor not only from disease, physical, but also from the fire of the tongue. Wow. Very, exactly. Very I'm so
1: preaching cool. on that next week with the Eighth Commandment. It's fun times.
0: Ah, fun times indeed, Pastor Hull. We we have reached a milestone here on Sherathon on KFuo. I'm I'm pleased to announce that we've reached forty thousand dollars in donations and gifts so far, and that means that that's has, awesome i know that that means that we there are donors that have been i guess everybody's name is in some big hat it's not here in smithville and i don't think it's there in tomball it must be in in st louis somewhere no. large large hat of names is what i'm picturing and and someone has reached into that hat and drawn out a couple of names for prizes the, all the donors names are in that that big hat in st louis and and so and and you'll have to forgive me if i mispronounce your name or your your town but gene tyndall of Edwardsville, Illinois is a day sponsor. She is one of those uh, names that was drawn for a special prize, also Margaret Simmons of East Carondelet, Illinois. Uh, I'm sorry if I mispronounced your town name. She also mm-hmm. made a gift today and her name was drawn. The gifts that have been provided generously by CPH are a Lutheran study Bible, a leatherback edition or a Concordia Publishing House gift certificate, they will receive one of those two prizes. So congratulations to Jean and Margaret. Thank you for your gifts. And thank you to everyone supporting this worldwide outreach of KFUO. Particularly during share you can call 1-800-730-2727 to make a gift. You can text KFUO to 414444. Did I say it right? 41444. And you can also go to KFUO.org and click on Donate to support programs like Sharper Iron. If you appreciate the quality Bible study that you get from these wonderful guest pastors that I get to talk to every day, support KFUO during share We're going to take a short break before we come back with more talking about talking here on Sharper Iron. Please stick around.
2: If you're repaying evil for evil, then evil has overcome you. But the way you overcome evil is by, uh, is with good. And so what is good in the sight of the Lord? Well, uh, good teacher, no one is good but God alone. What does God have the authority to do? And what authority has he given to his church? Uh, the, forgive, the authority to forgive sins. And so Christians, by patient suffering and endurance and tribulation uh, and blessing those who curse and persecute them, they become dead ends for evil. Become a day sponsor during our charathon today. Call 314-821-0850 or
1: toll free
0: 1-800-730-2727. Welcome back to Sharper Iron here on KFUO. It is charathon. You can call 1-800-730-2727 to support this wonderful outreach and the wonderful programming that gives you Christ for you anytime anywhere. I've got Pastor Chris Hall with me this morning. We are talking about talking, and and we've talked, Pastor Hall, the negative side, the positive side concerning our speech toward God. We've We've talked about the negative side about our speech toward others, the ways that we misuse the tongue, and instead of building others up, we tear others down. And now we get to finish the program today by talking about the wonderful ways that God has given us those holy uses of the tongue. That instead of building our, or instead of tearing our neighbor down, we build the neighbor up. And probably a good place to start again is with Luther's explanation to the eighth commandment. But now the the positive side. That what is it that God gives us to do? Those holy tasks in the eighth commandment.
1: Well, and then Jesus, not Jesus. Oh, slip there, Luther. <laughs> <laughs> You know, don't do these things, but instead defend him, speak well of him, and the new translation has say says explain everything in the kindest way. Now, that's good, explain everything in the kindest way, but if you ever said something about someone and said, well, I could say it worse, I- I'm holding back here. I'm explaining it in the best way I can. No, uh, this is where that older translation can help, that older version, put the best construction on them. Or I have my notes I've sent in for the next catechism, which will probably come out in you know thirty years, um, is defend him, speak well of him, and put Jesus on him, cover him in Christ, cover him in Jesus's righteousness. In the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, the English translation of the tax collector's prayer is an easy one. You know, God be merciful to me, a sinner. But really. In the Greek, the language, it's the same language Paul uses in Romans when he says that Jesus is the propitiation of our sins, that same word there. And when the tax collector is praying, he's literally saying, God, cover me in your holiness, in your righteousness, for I am, and then it has the definite article, the sinner. I'm the only one that exists. I don't see anyone else as sinful. It's just me. So please cover me completely in your righteousness. And that's what Jesus does for us. He covers us. He doesn't he doesn't betray us or slander us or hurt our reputation in heaven. That's the devil who does that. Jesus speaks well of us. He defends us. He's our advocate and defender. And he covers us in his righteousness. He covers us wholly so that the father doesn't see our sin. He sees the righteousness of his son. Because of that, by faith, we now do the same for our neighbor. We defend them. We speak well of them. And we always cover them in Christ. It's not like when you're growing up and your mom said, oh, see the good in everybody. It's not that. It's covering them in Jesus so all you see is Christ. You're little Christ to your neighbor, little Christ to each other. And that's what our vocation is. We use Christ to cover our neighbor's shame cover their nakedness, cover their anxieties, cover their fears, cover their mistakes, that we cover them up in the forgiveness of sins. And that's what we point to, to everybody. Is that's a forgiven sinner. That's a beloved saint. So don't speak oh. ill of them. Defend them and see them as Jesus.
0: Yeah, that that I, I like the way. I don't know if that translation will make it into the next synodical catechism. Probably not. It, Probably whenever not. Whenever it does. Maybe it'll make it into one of the questions and the explanation in the back though. Because I, I think it yeah. <laughs> I think it is it is a very helpful way of, of thinking about that. Because it's not, you know, putting the best construction or explaining everything in the kindest way isn't just sort of ignoring it. It's not it's not lying about it either but it is <laughs> right. I, I think seeing seeing the other person with the eyes of jesus seeing that other person first and foremost as someone for whom jesus has died someone whose sins are covered by jesus blood and and when you see the other person like that then you're you're looking at someone who's who's just like you because you are right. the person for whom jesus died you are the person whose sins are covered in jesus blood you are as as luke 18 has it you are the sinner who needs this propitiation, this atonement, this, this covering of Jesus' blood, you are that person just like your neighbor who has sinned against you or, or against another. And so that, that simply has to affect your speech about that person, not one to be torn down, not one whose sins need to be proclaimed to all the world, but one who needs the same thing that you need the same thing that i need which is the proclamation of law and gospel the the proclamation that you cannot justify yourself but jesus has and and that i mean that 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 way of looking i I think this whole conversation it it centers in this is what jesus has done for you how and this is where james is too how can we do anything else there's simply given all of this that jesus has done the the way of, of speech that would tear down the neighbor is just completely incompatible with it. It doesn't, doesn't make any sense, any more sense than the other spot that my mind goes to is the parable that Jesus tells in Matthew 18, where, where mm-hmm. you've got that servant who's forgiven you know, hmm. the entire national debt basically is forgiven yep. to this one man. And then he goes out and, and is, and refuses to forgive ten bucks it's maybe a little bit more than that but and and you're just you're you're reading this and you're you're listening to this and you're thinking what what's going on how is this even possible and and that's I mean that that, I think that's what we're talking about here is that it's simply incompatible for Christians to hear what Jesus has said of them and and said of the world concerning the forgiveness of sins and then to tear the neighbors reputation down
1: And it it gets back to what you said earlier about your children learning how to talk from listening to you. The only way this changes in us is listening to God more, is listening to shows on KFUO, listening to good podcasts, listening to your pastor when he preaches. I mean, really listening to your pastor when he preaches. I mean, like paying attention to it, not just because we all do this. We do the daydream for a few minutes and come back. And, you know, it's a good sermon. As long as it's under 12 minutes, I can get out quicker. But no, listening to it, listening to the hymns, being in the word. I was reading Brother Wolf Mueller uh, earlier this year, did a little thing on devotional life, reading a, a chapter from the Old Testament, one from the New, and a psalm every single day. Do it twice a day even. Read the treasury. Read good Lutheran material. I mean, Concordia Publishing House is overflowing with good things you can be reading and listening to. The more we listen to the world, the more we're going to act like the world. We need to listen to God because only in that do we have peace that surpasses all understanding, joy that can't be taken away. That's what we need, not in some legalistic way. You have to listen, but you get to. You get to be like St. Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, just listening. And as we listen, then we start acting that way. Um, Maybe we have to offer more services at our church and people actually come to it. You know, Uh, they hated not having church for months because of COVID. Now it's back. Start going to it then (laughs) and receive and rejoice. It's fun
0: times. It it is fun times. And and it, it all starts with what God's word says to us. Pastor Chris Hall is the pastor at Zion Lutheran Church in Tomball, Texas, helping us this morning meditate upon the way that God's speech to us, his words to us, mold and shape our words back to him and also to each other. Pastor Hull, thanks for being our guest today. Thanks for your support of KFUO through being a regular guest here on Sharper Iron. Brother
1: Apple, thank you for having me. It was a great time. It was a fun time.
0: Always fun times with Brother Hull. Talking about God's Word. That Word of God that you get to hear regularly here on KFUO through Bible study, through song, through speech, and that Word of God goes into your ears, shapes your own words to God and to each other. If you appreciate that quality Bible study, solid doctrinal quality, true stuff from the Scriptures consider supporting KFUO partnering with this outreach to share Christ for you anytime anywhere during Shareathon call 1-800-730-2727 to support text KFUO to 41444 or go online to kfuo.org click on donate and support this wonderful outreach